Podcasting 101 with me, your host, Rachel. This podcast is for female business owners and solopreneurs that are looking to start a podcast to add to your own already awesome offering. I'll give you helpful advice that you can take away and use in your podcasting journey. I hope to answer those tricky questions that just keep you from starting. Once a month, I'll be joined by other female podcasters. They'll share their journey with you and offer tips and advice they discovered along the way. Let's get started. And welcome to this week's episode. Today, I have with me Sidel Stewart. Welcome, Sidel. Hi, thanks for having me, Rachel. Oh, well, thanks for coming on. And um, Sidel is an online business operations expert, a virtual assistant mentor, and the founder of the VA agency Onit Communications. And her podcast is called Virtual Duality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's great to have you here today. Do you want to tell us a little bit about you and your podcast? Yeah, no problem. So like you said, my name is Sid L. Stewart, otherwise known as Sid. And um, I've been in the virtual online space now for just coming up to 13 years. And we started the podcast Virtual Duality, which is aimed at aspiring and emerging virtual assistants in, oh, can I remember the date? I don't remember the date off the top of my head, to be honest, in terms of when we launched it. But we're on season three. We've just finished season three. We're on a break at the moment. And the purpose of the podcast is to empower people who are interested in being virtual assistants or are new in their journey, like within the first 18 months, two years of their journey, who were really clued up on the service delivery in terms of what they do for clients, but not so much necessarily on running a business. And so that's where the virtual duality comes in. It's like, you're you're duly running this business as well as servicing your clients and I think that often VAs focus so heavily on client delivery and service that they don't really take into consideration the aspect of building their business and running it at the same time and it gets lost and it becomes really stressful because all of their focus is on getting clients and maintaining clients so that was the impetus for um, launching it really. Absolutely I, I would agree with that me starting out as a virtual assistant, March 21. And Mm -hmm. there was a lot of focus on initially thinking about all of like, say, getting the clients, but actually when you're trying to, I I ended up doing a copywriting course and that looked a little bit about setting up your business as well. And actually there was a lot of things that you don't consider because if you're not a business owner before, so that is great to have something out there that's going to help guide you. Mm -hmm. Um, So what did you do in the planning stages? So how did you... um, decide to why did you decide to target VAs and that that aspect of setting up at that point I had decided that I was going to launch a VA training and development arm of my business um and so the natural thing felt like how do I do that pretty immediately without spending lots of time overly perfecting and stressing about what I'm putting out and a podcast felt like the most natural way to do that um as opposed to writing content so I've always loved audio I've done a lot of radio in the past so a podcast just felt comfortable to be honest um it was the idea of doing solo episodes was a little bit daunting because we were trying to consider do we do solo episodes just guest episodes and then in the end we decided to do a hybrid of both um and the solo episodes the first few like when you listen back to them they're a little bit cringe because I was just like 
what do I talk about? Don't want to sound like I'm reading, so I didn't want to write it all out. Um, do I have enough to say? Is what I'm saying valuable? There was all those kind of considerations. So the planning was around what do the audience that I'm targeting need? What, what are their challenges? And because I'm in so many virtual assistant and executive assistant and personal assistant forums, that part of the research was quite easy. I could I could tap into what people were struggling with, what kind of questions people had about being a BA, and then turn that into episodes that I could answer those questions essentially, and then bring on experts onto the guest episodes to answer more business-related questions, but geared towards virtual assistants. Yeah, so you were kind of on you were on the ground, yes, listening to what people what VAs were saying they wanted and they needed, and mm-hmm. then you could turn that around to give them that in their in their podcast yeah what was your planning process so how long did it take you to get from when you decided to write I'm going to do a podcast what kind of things did you do did you do it by yourself did you have a team to help you what what kind of things Mm -hmm. did you do um I kind of did the planning myself in terms of the ideas and then um I worked with Gemma my online business manager to help me kind of map out the process we were looking at how do we physically produce this podcast like what does the editing look like and I did some research when I first had the idea I did some research online in some groups asking people to share what was included in their editing packages um what they charge how long it takes to turn it around etc and I got some really good quotes and then I kind of earmarked somebody that I was going to reach back out to and I did this like four months in advance so I had an understanding of what it was going to cost to produce it how many episodes we could do at a time because we were going to batch them rather than doing them week by week and what it would look like internally for Gemma to help make the podcast actually happen alongside the editor and we planned it down to I think we got down to 37 steps that it takes for each podcast from initial invitation of asking somebody if they if they're happy to be on the the pod to the final email where we thank them and share their assets with them for their episode and then one more follow-up email so it was a lot of steps but we've automated a lot of it. And so we managed to get the process down to a T, really. Well, that is that is super organised. And <laughs> I guess if you're having a lot of guests as well, it helps, it's helped refine that process along yes. the way as well. What do you use to automate it? Is that of interest? Ha, ha, ha. Oh, so we use, <laughs> oh is we it Airtable? <laughs> no. Oh. Well, actually, actually, that's not true. We do use Airtable. We use Airtable for our planning to map out mm. our dates the topics and all of that kind of side of it so we map that out episode per episode in Airtable because episode Airtable is my baby and I use it for everything as I'm sure you would have guessed from listening to my episodes Um, (laughs) but we used Dubsado for our automation with a few external steps because we use external scheduler so I use Acuity scheduling for booking the actual podcast recording session we use Squadcast for our actual platform to do our recording we use well that's later and then we use Dubsado to kind of string it all together we use Zapier in the background for any of the parts that aren't like intuitively automated mm-hmm. um, and there are a couple of manual steps in between but for the most part especially the early part of the production the pre, mm-hmm. pre-production that is automated. 
and, and, and we actually have recreated that process now in as an actual um, digital products that we can sell to other people if they were interested in not having to figure it all out for themselves. Mm, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I that's something that I hadn't really thought about. But I, I don't. Use, I know some people that use Dubsado, but I don't. I haven't used it myself. Yeah. But, um, from what I can gather, it's really powerful and really great for having that that type of process, having everything automated yeah. along the way. So that saves mm-hmm. you a lot of time, and that helps a lot with your your planning planning there. yeah it really does help and especially because we do a broadcast release form which I know lots of people don't do but I am you know formerly a, a VA and formerly a executive assistant like the, the legalities of things are a big part of what I do <laughs> so I don't ever skip that that portion so we do a broadcast release form which is easy for us to do using Dubsado as well as the person saying yeah they're up for it sharing all the information and the links to anything else that they need all in a really easy automated step without us having to manually do that each time mm-hmm. that's really helpful with the tech side of things then, did you did you have somebody in to help edit the episodes once you'd recorded them or did you do that? Did you manage that within your own team? No. So we, the, one of the people that I found when I was doing the research a few months prior, um, I contacted him and then he was basically our editor. So he would take four weeks worth of episodes at a time and edit those and then send them back to us. And then Gemma would do all of the work that goes into creating the audiograms versions for example and the artwork and the show notes and then scheduling it loading it up to Podbean which is the platform that we use to host it and then um liaising with the guests again to send them the assets and stuff so there are quite a few different like between us we've mentioned a lot of tools right so if some people would be a bit daunted by that and I mean you don't have to use lots of tools you could literally just do your editing and then um do everything by you know regular email and word documents or or google docs but this is just much simpler as much as it doesn't sound it once you've got the process kind of in place then it it works for itself yeah i i tend to do my emails myself i do have a a scheduler i use captivate um i really they have like an episode planning thing in there they have but they do have like a booking schedule um, inside the platform so you can send a booking link out um, mm-hmm. which is what you booked through and you can add social yeah. links and things like that for your guests if if they if they want to you use podbean as your platform what was your decision how did you why did you decide to use podbean over i mean there are many other platforms out there and there's no wrong platform but i have yeah. done a solo episode about like choosing your publishing platform so i'm interested to know um what your feelings are about podbean to be honest, we looked at Lisbon, I think it's called, first, yeah. because that's the one that I'm I'm a real geek. I mean, formerly a tech VA, I noticed the tools that people use for everything in ways that most people don't even notice. It's like, well, you've got an email. And I'm like, yeah, but how did you get the email? Where did it come from? Who sent it? Like, what tool was used? What's that code in the corner? So I'm really curious like that. So I had been scoping out what other people use for their podcasts and there were some people that I follow online who have really slick production and so I was looking and I realised that Lisbon was quite popular with really big well-established online business owners so I had looked at that but then I was deterred by a cost if I remember correctly um, and I thought we're just starting. We can always move to a you know more established, more pricey platform later on. So 
Um, I think Gemma did some research into like lower ends in terms of cost platforms and we just picked Podbean for its ease of functionality really. Um, when we relaunched the podcast, we probably will move because it is a little bit clunky um, and the aesthetic of it is not is not great. But we generally don't send people directly to there. We, we host it on our own website. Each episode is listed and loaded up individually. So we kind of direct people to go there to listen to it. But obviously there are the other platforms like Apple and Spotify, for example, where people would tune in. So Podbean doesn't feature too much in terms of the actual display page that people see. Yeah, I think I listened to your episode, the Haley's one, which is when I, Haley Hudson's episode, which yeah. is where I first came across you. Mm-hmm. Um, and what one thing I did like about Podbean was is that you could comment and like on each individual episode. Yeah. And know that not an Apple podcast, you can leave the review down the bottom, but like in Google, pod, in, the, in the app, you can't do that. And I, right. I quite liked that feature on it, but I, I do see what you mean about the the way that it looks is is not as as pretty or as you know. Yeah, it's not. It is, it's not sexy. It's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> so we have it on our own site, and you can yeah. comment per episode. And oh, that's a nice feature. Yeah, or whatever. But it means it keeps it on brand as well. So that was yeah. kind of the impetus for that. Also, I think having all your reviews in, in one place as well makes it easier for, I mean, like you say, pe- people do use the different apps, but having that kind of, if someone's directed right to your website and they've got, they can see the comments that people have made on, on your podcast there, I think that's a really valuable valuable way for people to see the impact that it's having with with listeners I mean that's quite a a challenging thing I know I find this myself with um getting your listeners to engage and leave reviews how do you find that side of things I was just about to ask you that because (laughs) we've really struggled with that we get the listens and people download it I get a lot of private messages people telling me how great the episode was or it resonated for them in some way but and, and I get a lot of messages from people saying, oh, it's so nice to see a black woman doing a podcast um, in this particular space because it's quite uncommon. So all of those comments are amazing, but they're all private messages. I don't get them publicly. They're not left on the podcast. So that's yeah. something that we haven't quite mastered is getting public reviews. Um, yes. So I'll be I'll be looking to you for those tips. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have some, I, I've got to say, I, it's something that I struggle with as well. And one of the reasons why I chose Captivate, I mean, it's a paid platform, um, but they are kind of like a growth specialist platform. Right. Um, and they do offer some like subscriber, um, like webinars and things like that. So I really want to start looking at at the growth side of things about how to to increase your engagement with you with your listeners and try and get yeah. that because it's it's nice to know you know when you're putting stuff out there that like who's listening and how are mm-hmm. they taking it and yeah it's 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 lovely to get it publicly as well so then other people can see yeah. it and then say oh why actually this is going to be for me so yeah mm-hmm. I think um I have a few ideas, but I'm not an expert in either. Unfortunately, I wish I was. I wish I had, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, of listens. That would be amazing. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's kind of like your social media, isn't it? it? Kind of like not getting too caught up in too big a download numbers because if you've got like a core a core group of listeners that are your that that are listening, and if you can get them to engage, they will be like like your most valuable your ambassadors. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
So how do you find Squadcast for you? Is it a free platform or do you have to pay for, for no, Squadcast? No, it's, it's a paid platform. Yeah. I, I, I think they may have a premium yeah. um, tier. I briefly service, kind of come across Squadcast. It. It's really good. Um, it's It's been extremely reliable. I've had technical issues twice in mm-hmm. all of the episodes that we've done and those have mostly been broadband issues or a wi-fi issues from um my guests rather yeah. than the platform itself and it's really easy to use you can have up to four people per episode they have the option to do video um as well as audio we just do our podcasts we use video to record them but the but the video is not saved, so it's just audio. Yeah. Um, but there is an option at a higher price point where you can do video as well. So if you know you want to put your video, your product on YouTube, for example, it makes it really easy to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just quite straightforward to use. There's, there's just no there's no issues. It looks great on split screen. It's just a split screen kind yeah. of visual identity and. Yeah, it works great. And they're quite receptive in terms of their customer service. If you ever need advice or guidance or something, they get back to you pretty quickly. Oh, that's good. I must say, I've, I've only used Zoom, um, mm-hmm. mainly because I didn't want to, initially when I was starting, I didn't want to pay for a platform. And I felt mm-hmm. that um, that Zoom was going to work okay for me. But I have since yeah. looked into, um, a friend of mine uses Zencaster for their podcast. Um, I looked at that. Mm-hmm. I tried it. I used the free mm-hmm. version. Um, mm-hmm. And so you could have the video, but it didn't record it. It just recorded the audio. And yeah. you have the, the person who you're interviewing ha- as well has to have the space on their laptop. So it can it can um, save like um, just a file while you're recording. So she didn't have enough yeah. space. So she's got a Chromebook, didn't have enough space. So we couldn't I couldn't get it to work. It was only afterwards I discovered that it was the space issue. Right. So that was kind of a bit of a barrier for me because... Um, yeah, I you, felt like it's a bit intrusive. Yeah, to, to expect to to have a to have a requirement that your guest has a certain amount of storage space on the machine yeah. on the device is a bit restrictive. Yeah, so that kind of was a bit like, oh, that was a bit disappointing. And but I know somebody that's used Riverside.fm and have been very happy with that. So that yeah. is uh, using a different platform other than Zoom is something that I'm considering. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I record solo episodes, I record straight into Audacity. So I find that that is right. like a good quality um, to record straight into for myself. But obviously that's not possible to mm-hmm. use when you've got guests because then you're only kind of, you can't, um, well, you could record at the same time. But I don't think it'd be too complicated to expect your guests yeah. to like work out all the that tech side of things as well as well yeah, as it is a yeah. bit complicated and I've too many layers <laughs> i know that Gemma uses audacity because we brought our editing in-house after okay maybe the first six months mm-hmm. um and Gemma does the editing of the pod now and she uses audacity i've got no clue how it works but um yeah i can't imagine being able to use that with guests i know yeah. that it's kind of the channels are separate, right? So they do not. Yeah, that's you, you'd have around. to get them to record on their own computer and send it to you, which doesn't seem like it's just a lot of effort for your guests, then, really, isn't it? It's just so. Yeah. Um, so you are pretty confident around the tech relating to the process yes. side of things, and you've brought your editing in house now. Um, mm-hmm. I use Audacity to edit as well, and I do love I, I don't know all of the features on it, but I do really think I really like Audacity. My husband's a sound engineer as well, and he's been oh, able wow. to teach me loads of stuff, which has That's been amazing. such a bonus. Yeah, it's really it's super helpful, actually. So uh, my actual little little um, Wikipedia guide on my shoulder there. <laughs> 
Um, what kind of things do you do to market or promote your podcast? So we have a, um, a dedicated mailing list, which is like a VA audience specific. Um, we share on socials. So we have a social account for that brand. Then I also share on my own socials on LinkedIn and on Instagram. And then we share, we do, when we're running it, you know, weekly, we share an email once a week, just letting our audience know like whose episode it is or what we're talking about this week. Um, and that's worked quite well for us. In terms of the return on investment, in terms of how many people are listening versus how many people are reaching for advertising, that's still being figured out. Mm-hmm. We're still kind of finding our feet, but people are quite receptive. In, but they don't necessarily listen on the day that it comes out I've noticed mm, yeah. it tends to get better traction in the three days after it's been published than it does on the day it's been published well that's interesting yeah I yeah. think I get over the week I think I might get one or two listens that day I mean I'm talking I think I've got like about eight unique listeners that are mm-hmm. on my dashboard on Captivate yeah. at the moment so I think like a few do within the day and then like the next are within that week kind of before the next episodes but I've noticed yeah. on a lot of um just looking at different um statistics on some different podcasts that um that I've managed like they tend the episodes have tended to like peak and then they kind of go down a little bit and then they peak up again like mm-hmm. but I think that it's the podcast stats and everything are interesting and how they relate to marketing but I think that sometimes if you feel podcasting is quite a long game well it's a long game yeah. and I think that yeah. it's hard to quantify it sometimes into mm-hmm. how how beneficial because you could have like like say like a really small in, in, but they're super engaged with your content and um yeah it's uh not taking the not getting too disheartened I think to begin with is an important thing to kind of to to say to people out there that are starting a podcast you know don't be worried if you don't get like a thousand downloads and yeah. or anything like that so yeah definitely I think it's worth finding a way to track stuff so using google analytics where you can and then having a, a spreadsheet set up to track your listens or your downloads at some point but I think it's I would suggest that people just don't look at their stats for the first three months like just focus on the content and what you're saying and sharing and to focus on the engagement that you're getting or not getting and try and work on building that rather than focusing on the stats because like you said the stats are going to take a while to build up and if you're focused on them it's going to feel really disheartening and you'll feel like why am I bothering and it will start to eat away at your enthusiasm for it when really you really just need to put your gusto behind getting it out there and not worrying about how many people are or aren't listening to it straight away yeah absolutely it's yeah making sure that your content is that you go back to who are you doing your podcast for and what do they yeah. need and making mm-hmm. sure that your content or your podcast fits that bill then you yeah. know that you don't you know you are putting out there what people want to listen which mm-hmm. is the most important part of of doing yeah. your podcast um, <laughs> obviously <laughs> how do you feel has it helped you as a business had um do you feel that it's have you enjoyed adding podcasting to your to your selection like for your marketing and everything yeah I felt like it is like you said it's a long game and I was very clear that that would be the situation from the beginning because I think if you thought you're going to do a podcast and excuse me 
for like a couple of months and it's going to have a major impact then you know being for you know rude awakening um it is a long game it is also a combination of doing your podcast but also appearing on other people's podcasts is a great marketing mix just doing your own in in isolation I think is powerful but not as powerful as also being on other people's podcasts um and really using it in a way that you're getting your voice out there you're showing your expertise but you're also inviting other people to do the same it's a really rewarding feeling having other people come on share their expertise and their insights that potentially then go on to help other people and you're facilitating that process so that feels great and from a marketing perspective it's just helping to raise your visibility like it's Mm -hmm. it's never going to do you any harm having yourself out there unless you really don't know what you're doing and in which case then don't do a podcast (laughs) set set yourself up but also just focus on the fact that what you take for granted in terms of your expertise other people are dying to hear and sometimes we can convince ourselves we don't have anything valuable to share nobody why is anybody going to be interested in that or doesn't everybody know that no they really don't and if it's not their area of expertise they probably definitely don't and you sharing that is going to open somebody else's eyes or, you know, lead them to find out something that they didn't already know that could potentially benefit them. And, and just and just do that with with gusto and with some pride. Yeah, absolutely. That's great advice. Is that your kind of top tip for somebody who's starting out podcasting? Yeah, just just go for it. Like, what's the worst that can happen? But give yourself a timeline and say, OK, I'm going to do this for three months. Anything you're going to do, do it for at least 12 weeks because you you need to give yourself the opportunity to get into a groove with it. Um, and I think sometimes people think, oh, I'll do, you know, I'll do three episodes or I'll do a month and then I'll see how I feel. And it's like, you, you've got to give yourself a chance for success. So do, do three months and then see where you're at. Take a break and then come back to it. Yeah. I planned out um, 12 months of this podcast to say mm-hmm. I decided I was going to do it for a year. So yeah. I planned out, I've not like in detail planned out every single episode yet. So I kind of do mine on a four weekly basis. But mm-hmm. I think that having whatever that plan is, whether it's a season or whether, it, you know, you have yeah. that, it's important to have that planned out because yeah. otherwise you will lose enthusiasm. You'll find and if you're, you might find an excuse not to do it. And I think you've got to be consistent, however that is for your audience, yeah. whether it's weekly or monthly or mm-hmm. however it is you want to show up. And we all know that from our marketing as well, don't we? From everything, yeah. be, trying to be consistent. <laughs> Keyword consistency. Yeah. But I think with podcasts as well, it, it's the same thing. And um, the planning element is not something, although you kind of sometimes want to skip ahead and get into the dive into the exciting part of the podcast, but you need to mm-hmm. think about that you're reaching your ideal client and your content is going to do that for those people. Yeah, definitely. And also the top end of that, that's the, that's the output, but the, the actual, the client experience that people have when they're going to be a guest on your podcast is majorly important. And a lot of people overlook that side of it. I say that as, somebody who focuses on client experience as as my role in in my day job so outside of podcasting so it's easy for me to focus on that element but it's been really rewarding to have people comment and remark at how easy or how slick the process was for them being a guest and when somebody has an experience that feels delightful prior to recording with you 
they come with a particular type of energy. And so your podcast is naturally just going to be a really great conversation too, because they realize that, you know, this is this is top shelf, like top shelf, maybe not the best expression, but um, it's high end, you know, they're feeling yeah. like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's been a great experience. It's going to be a great conversation. And then, and then they're going to be proud to share the end output as well with their audience, which is obviously what you want when you do a recording, right? You want people to share it with their own network. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that that is important. If you've not sent a link or not remind, you know, all those little things they yeah. do, they do matter to people, don't they? And they turn up and then it's not not a great experience. They're not. They might. They're not going to think back on it with uh, fondest of memories, are they? Yeah, that's right. And so by the time it goes live, which is often you know a month or longer after you've recorded, mm-hmm. they've forgotten about it, and then they're not phased, and you send them the assets, and then they might not share it, and then that can feel disheartening. Yeah. I've really enjoyed chatting to you today, Sid. Um, I've really Thank felt you. you've given our audience, um, however small they may be, <laughs> real insights into the way that you do your podcast. Mm-hmm. And do you want to just let people know where we can find you and where we can listen to your, I know you mentioned your podcast is housed on your website. Um, yeah. If anyone would like to work with you or get in touch, where's the best way to do that? Okay, so the the podcast Virtual Duality is available on all major podcast platforms and it's also on our website, which is from PA to VA.com forward slash podcast. And you can find all of the episodes there from the three seasons that we've done. Um, like I say, the first two seasons are focused on business professionals across the board in all different industries, teaching virtual assistants how to level up for one of a better way to put it and um and the last season is a combination of of VA diaries so hearing from people who have who are VAs who transitioned from business support roles in employment to running their own businesses and it's also a series of people who book VAs who who found joy in having a VA in their business and what that journey has looked like what kind of things they were looking for so that's um, been a really interesting season Um, in terms of finding me I'm on all socials I say all socials I use Instagram predominantly so you can find me at Sidel Stewart and also on Facebook and if you're looking for a VA or you're interested in that side of the world or you're interested in becoming an associate VA then it's Onic Communications. Brilliant I will link all those in the show notes so people can have easy access to all your details. Thanks again for coming on Sid. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening if you've enjoyed today's episode please like share and subscribe your support means so much to me if there's a question or topic you'd like covering then I'd love to hear from you. Find the podcast on Instagram at Rachie Botfield and drop me a DM. Till next time. Bye.